Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be with you today. Thanks, Lily. How's everyone doing this fine morning? We're good. Awesome. You had a wonderful long weekend. Well, this morning, we're going to continue jumping into the Word. I mean, I, I had the opportunity on, online. I'm thankful for online. Those that are joining online, welcome. Uh, the panel, you guys did a phenomenal job. Thank you for sharing and uh, just some of those testimonies. Some of you got to preach on, and it's just wonderful to see. We, I was in Edmonton last weekend, and uh, yeah, we slipped our way into Edmonton, so that was a great morning. Uh, but we're so glad that you're here today. I mean, are you glad you came to church this morning? Awesome, awesome. It's better than jail? Okay, good. So you're here. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's turn into our Bibles to Acts chapter 20. We're going to kind of pick off right where we left off uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, man, the, the Lord is, he is so good. I, I've received more insight from him and I'm just, I'm excited to share that with you. Uh, it's just been so helpful to me. I mean, we've been on this topic of grace. I don't even know how long it's been now. We, since the beginning of this, when we last had snow and uh, here we are continuing on it, but there's just so much to this because grace again, is not just a topic, it's a man. And one of the things that we see in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, I want to just jump into this uh, just for time's sake. The Apostle Paul, he says this as he's leaving to go to Rome, and this is the last time he's going to see the leaders at the Ephesian church, and he gathers them all around, and he kind of lists his message in Acts chapter 20, and then he comes to this verse right here, and to me, it just pops out. To me, it's like, this is it in one big nut bomb. There it is. This is what the Apostle Peter is saying, or the Apostle Paul is saying, and he says, and so now I entrust you. He's talking to the leaders of this church, and obviously if he's talking to the leaders of the church, he's talking to us as believers, correct? He said, I entrust you into God's hands, but he doesn't just stop there, and the message of his grace. Why the message of his grace? Which is all that you need to become strong. All, say with me, all all of God's blessings are imparted. What does that word imparted? It means they're given through the message of his grace, which he provides as the spiritual inheritance to all of his holy ones. So what the, the apostle Paul is literally telling us, his revelation of grace reveals to the New Testament church that the message of God's grace is giving his very self to you and I. Everything that you will ever need in this life, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, has already been provided through his grace. It's already been provided. And so many times you see even in the scriptures, the apostle Paul really uses these big words in the Greek, such as cascading, superabundant grace made available to you and I. Now I have this picture I just want you to take a look at here real quick. And I, I just want you to see there is, there's no limit to the grace of God. Where sin abounds, grace does much more. So while people are constantly church-wise talking about sin, 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 and evil, 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 grace superabounds continually. So for the church, what do we need to be magnifying? What do we be needing to make a big deal about? His grace. So again, when God, you know, when God says something to make a big deal of, we make a big deal about it. Sadly, the church gets sometimes so caught up in these little things and we magnify the little things and God says, I'm not even paying attention to all that. I'm talking about the big stuff like my son dying for you and raising from the dead to, for your right standing with me. That's a big deal. His grace is a big deal to him. I just love this picture because that's, that cup is you. 
And I know this cup looks like there's coming to an end, but God doesn't have an end of his grace. It is constantly overflowing. It never runs out. It's always and forever grace towards you and I. Now, again, the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, he says this word in trust. Now, you simply look up that word in trust. That means to assign the responsibility for doing something for someone. So what essence, what Paul is saying, and he's trying to point the New Testament church to the position of grace towards you. Did you know grace has a position? And guess where it's pointed? It's pointed towards you and I. Now he's trying to point the New Testament church to go, hey, get focused, get fixated on what grace has accomplished on your and my behalf. That was his message. This was the secret that had been hidden from long ago. All the prophets, they saw a glimpse of what God was going to do in the New Testament. He got, they got an idea and they went, man, what is this? This is exciting. Even the angels were going, what's going to take place? You find that in 1 Peter chapter 2, I believe, that all of these guys were going, what's happening? Something's coming, something's coming. And what is it? God's unlimited grace abounding towards you because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. So everything that we're celebrating today is nothing that you and I could do on ourselves. It's simply because by the grace of God, he did what he did because he's good. Now I use this analogy, but anybody watched Dennis the Menace before? I enjoyed Dennis the Menace as a kid watching that. And you know, they got cookies from uh, Mrs. Wilson. And all of a sudden, you know, Joey and Dennis are walking back and they go, man, what did we do to deserve these cookies? Man, we must have been really good boys today to get these cookies. And Joey, in all of his wisdom, said, Dennis, it's not because we did something good that we got these cookies. It's because Mrs. Wilson is good that we got these cookies. Everything you have in your life, it's all because of the grace of God. Nothing you have was earned by your good works. It all came by grace. And this is the message that Paul tried to get across regularly. It's, it's not you, it's not you, it's not you, it's him. <laughs> Maybe on your blind date it was you. And we'll stop there, but I'll let you finish this in. So what is a win in the kingdom of God? What's a win? What does heaven celebrate? We know from Luke chapter 15 that all of heaven celebrates when one sinner comes into the kingdom of God. They rejoice, they throw a party. Yeah, correct? But also, it doesn't just stop there. Did you know that heaven also rejoices when a child of God, a believer, learns to look to the grace of God, rely and depend on what grace has provided, and see that what has been provided actually come into manifestation, naturally speaking? That's a win. And the word became flesh and dwelt among men. That's what Jesus was for you and I. But the word is still supposed to be coming flesh today. What does that look like? It's you and I looking to what grace has done, believing, receiving all that he's done, and therefore now revealing it in my everyday life. All right, now, so grace now has taken the responsibility. Listen, grace has taken the responsibility now that you are a child of God to care for your every need and well-being. That's, that should make you smile. Grace has taken that responsibility. So it's not your job to provide for yourself in every area of your life. Grace has taken that. We're going to get further into this. Grace has taken the responsibility to strengthen you and to live a consecrated or separate life in this evil and perverse world. See, what does religion try to do? It tries to put you in the equation that you have to live differently, that you have to live separately. When you understand the revelation of grace, you will live differently. Continuing on. Grace has taken the responsibility to grow you up, to be a mature believer, and form you into the image of Jesus himself. So it's not your job to do that. 
You're cooperating, but it's not your job to primarily make yourself look like him. I tried. I looked in the mirror and I thought, man, winter came, my tan left. Uh, That's it. Next, grace has taken the responsibility to impart the blessings of God in your life. Grace has also given you access now to know God intimately. Think about that. Far beyond what any Old Testament you know, believer at that time had access to God, grace simply exposed himself on the cross and he gave you direct intimacy with him. More than even Moses. And we go, man, Moses, man, he, he went on the mountain for 40 days. You have God living in you. <laughs> All right. And the next thing I want, this is something that the Lord's been really showing me, is this grace has now positioned us with this marvelous opportunity and privilege to build our lives on the rock-solid foundation instead of sand that is continually changing with each new wave. Now, I want you to see this in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. In the Message Bible, it says it like this. This is what Jesus is saying. Now, I want you to see these words, and when he says uh, these words I'm saying to you, these grace words that I'm saying to you. So he says, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never do a thing I tell you. These words or these words of grace, this message of grace that I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. These, the message of grace, it is a foundation words, words to build your life on. Now click, look at this, 48. If you work the message of grace into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep. Say with me, dug deep. And laid a foundation of his house on rock. When? Not if. When. Come on, read that word with me. When. When the river bursts its banks and crashed against the house. Now read these next four words with me. Nothing could shake it. So the storms of life, who are they going to come to? Everyone. Every one of us. He says nothing could shake it because it was built to last. But if you just use this word, this message of grace in Bible studies, and you don't work this message of grace into your life, you are like a dumb carpenter who built his house but skipped the foundation, and when the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. Now, I want to show you a few things right from this passage here. But again, the choice is up to you and I. What we do with this message of grace. Say with me, the choice is mine. The word is here. The message of grace. And again, what is grace capable of doing? Giving you everything that you need concerning this life. Don't just think naturally. It provided your salvation eternity. It's also taking care of your mental state. It's taking care of all the, the fear and the anxiety. Grace is taking care of all the darkness, all the trash that's out there. So what are you going to do with this message of grace? That's the question Jesus is asking us. Because one of the time we're just looking for, oh God, could you just touch my brain so that I think better? What are, his question is, what are you doing with the message of grace that I gave you? Wow. See, we're just sometimes looking for a little poof and everything's all funky dunky and everything's all great again. He's asking you, you need to change the way that you think. Why? Because you'll go back into the same cycle again and again. It's the same way. People that have been in poverty, they win the jackpot, the lottery. They got got $100 million, woo! And stats show that within five years, they're back in the same state where they were. Why? They don't have a right relationship with money. So now bring this over to this situation scenario here. What we look at here, the wise men, 
or sorry, the major difference between these two individuals is their relationship with the rock. That's the major difference. The wise man, he dug and went down deep. He allowed grace words to shape his believing, his thinking, his actions. His reality had been altered by the word. His reality, how he saw life, how he thought about things became altered when he spent time with the rock. Though now the foolish man, he didn't engage with grace words. He heard it, but he didn't stay with the word long enough to bring about a new reality, God's reality. Instead, he lives wishing nothing bad would happen. And sadly, that is a big state of where the church is in. We are just wishing that nothing bad would happen in my life. Why? Because you can't sustain it. We are told to build our life for the beachy days, the plus 28 degrees, and you can lay on a beach and, oh, everything's just great. You're supposed to build for the storms. So what's the difference between these two? Their relationship with the rock. One man got his complete reality altered by the message of grace. Where the other one, he heard the message of grace, but didn't live anything out. No, the major difference that you see between grace and really the works or the law, grace reveals to you your authentic identity in Christ and not in the flesh. Grace frees you to live your life from who you are in Christ and not who you were in Adam. It's the difference between window shopping and looking in a mirror. Anybody ever gone window shopping before? Anybody enjoy a good window shop? Up front, okay, that's what I'm talking about. Now, I like going to sport check, and there's some mannequins there that are jacked. I've asked, my brother Marcel works there, how did you guys cut out my body and make a mannequin out of that? Just like, it looks so good. But this is a lot of times what Christianity looks like. It's this window shopping. If I could just get there, if I could just look like that, if I could just, oh, if I could just walk in, da-da-da-da-da, if I could just, you know, get the healing that I need, if I could just get that financial breakthrough, if I could just get the peace, constantly window shopping. And God said nothing about window shopping. Grace puts you in a position where you're actually looking in a mirror going, I already got it. I already got it. That mannequin. Woo, I look good. The emphasis of grace is that you are living in this place called from. Religion constantly keeps you in this place of living towards something. There's a major difference. In the grace of God, what am I living? I'm living from this place of victory. I'm living from healing. I'm living from joy. I'm living from prosperity. That's where I live from. See, religion tries to, you have to attain, you have to work towards, you have to strive in order to get to. No, 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 no. You already got it. We're looking in a mirror. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, we can all draw close to him with a veil removed from our faces and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are now being changed or transfigured into his very image as we strive and do everything we can to work towards getting him. No, as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So who's in charge of the change? He is. What's my job? To look in the mirror of the Word of God and allow that mirror to absolutely start to change my reality of how I see things. We're so stuck. You're so stuck in how things are looking. I can't get this. I mean, I'm having a hard time. I mean, for us, we're having a hard time getting pregnant. We can't get pregnant. Stop. 
You need a reality check. What are you looking at? What are you believing? What's your reality? What I've been experiencing. And the message of grace is trying to go, stop. You need to get another view, another reality, the reality that I have so you can see clearly who you already are because of my son Jesus. So a lot of times, again, this is where I think Christians, they run to these wonderful prophetic. And I I love all those things. That's great. That's wonderful. But we run to those thinking, that's where my answer is. If I could just get a touch or a word, listen, you need mind renewal. You need a brand new reality check so you can see what he's done on your behalf already. All right. Get uh on that. So my days of window shopping are over. I am that mannequin at sport check. Yes, you are. Thank you. Thank you. Should have wore a more slimming shirt because it would really showcase that. Now, secondly, as I said already, we build our life for the storms. Again, it's not the size of the storm. It's not the problem that you and I face. It's the connection to the rock that makes all the difference. Do you want to hear the secret of the wise man? Do you want to know his secret? Y'all, if you want the word, you got to go after this stuff. Do you want to know his secret? His secret is this. His house, his life, shares the same strength as the rock. I build my life on the rock. I enjoy the same steadiness as the rock because the rock, we know to be Jesus, is storm proof. No storm could put him, put him off. He tried going one way, the big storm, a natural, an actual storm came. What did he do? Quiet it down. Nothing could shake him. Why? His house was totally secured upon what the word has to say. So for you and I, if we don't want to live up and down like with, this, with the, the new wave that's out and this woke culture, cancel culture, how do I stay steady and consistent? I let the word to form my reality. The word is my reality. Are you freaked out that the gas went down to $1.53? No. What if it goes to a dollar? Great. What if it goes up to $2? It's going to shake. Like, that's what's shaking you? Then what's happening is I have to go back to the word, and I have to allow the word to redefine my reality. All right. Again, I'll just throw this in there because we get so religiously caught up in things. We try fighting battles that the God never even asked you for. What's the fight that you need to stay in? The fight of faith, which is, this is what he says. I need to believe it with everything I got. No thing, no person, nothing is going to shake me off of it. That's the fight that I'm supposed to be in. But we are waging war on all these things and their dogs, trying to fight and trying to prove something for the kingdom. God's asking you, believe the word, stay in the message, preach the good news everywhere that you go. Tell people what happened, what God's done, what the grace of God has done in your life. Keep it simple, saint. Rather than, oh, I'm against this. I'm against that. I'm against this. Stop. What are you for? I'm for the message of his grace. That's what I'm for. I'm for everything grace provided. Absolutely. I'm completely for that. So rather than being so focused on what the devil is doing and being against his tactics, I am for freedom. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So again, the reason why I believe the Lord is bringing some of these things up is just to get us back into position to make the main thing the main thing, which is the grace of God. 
All right. So, my Windows days are shopping. So, the secret... Now, the question I have to ask myself is, whose words am I connected to? Whose words is painting your reality? Somebody is painting something in the subconscious of your mind. What do you see? Ask that question. What do you see? What do you see? Do you see yourself unshakable? Oh, man, if the gas goes up this, or if I lose my job this, or for Jamie and I, if if we don't get pregnant, then what are you seeing? Who's forming that image? Because, listen, every voice has a, there's a significance to every voice. Where is it pointing? Where is it leading? We had a doctor that said, we just don't know. I guess you guys are just the unlucky ones that can't get pregnant. What did that do? It's trying to form an image on the inside of my subconscious mind. We had to go home and say, nope, nope, nope. Nothing wrong with the dog. I'm thankful for him. But I'm going to have to go with something a little higher. What is that? I'm going to have to look to what grace, the message of his grace, has said over my life. And he said they're a gift and an inheritance to you. So what do I do? I start putting that into my mind so it gets into the subconscious of my mind and I'm starting to form a new reality on the inside. So rather than seeing us without kids, now I'm going, man, I know how to make them. (laughs) All right. Calm down there, Jamie. Calm down. All right. Now. (laughs) And thirdly, about this passage as well, what else do we see is that the word, God promises that his word has now taken the responsibility to keep me secure and to cause me to be unshakable. I'm not trying to go, I got it all together. I got it all together. I got, no, 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 no. I simply enjoy the relationship with the rock. And the rock's job through his word now is to make sure everything that he promised in his word is going to come to pass in my life. Now, the father desires for our life to be wrapped up in his grace. So how do I respond? I could respond religiously. And thinking, what do I have to do now? Get so concerned, well, the devil's trying to do this. No, 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 no. I need to respond properly by faith, which simply is, Lord, I trust you. I depend on what you said. I believe it in my life. And I just expose myself continually to the word of God and allow the picture to come in on the inside of me. All right. Now, as we already said, grace has taken the responsibility to not only provide you with everything you need, Grace has also provided the opportunity to teach you how to receive what has been provided and how to simply do life right. Grace is doing that. (laughs) Go on, y'all. Grace is doing that. Anybody just really hate religion? With a passion. It sucks with a capital S-U-C-K. I spelled that right, right? (laughs) I absolutely cannot stand religious mindsets because you know what religion has robbed more people of the blessings and the goodness of god more than anything else and people are talking about you opening up yourself to demons here and demons here a religious mindset is what hindering people from experiencing the grace of god i hate it you should hate it too with as strong of a passion as the lord jesus has when that religious voice came up to him what would he say you brood of snakes shut up Oh, you have to act this way in order to come into the house. Shut up. No, you don't. Anywho, 
And we know it. We say, come as you are. Absolutely. But because God loves you so much, he will not leave you where you're at. He's going to bring you to the highest level of his reality, which is the truth. So again, there's no such thing as my truth. I have an experience, but Jesus is the one who dictates what's true in my life or not. He created me. He knows what's right. All right, off on that topic. I don't know how we got there, but we'll continuing on. So grace teaching us means a few things. Number one, it does not mean a behavior modification. When I say grace is teaching us, I do not mean that I need to now try to do something externally to become a better Christian. Religion is a poor teacher. Again, religion focuses on you to fix the external by following the rules and the traditions to determine if God does something for you. And the result is frustration. The result is fruitlessness. It's a very hard place to be where you are striving to get God to do something. He doesn't want your effort. He wants your belief. So what does, when I say grace is teaching us, it simply means this. Grace is teaching us. It's not behavior modification. It is transformation. Meaning, as I expose myself to his word, what happens as I open up this word? I'm not just getting more equipped to debate somebody. Right? That's a sad state for what the word is for. What is the purpose of the word? Is that as, the whole, as I spent, expose myself to it, the Holy Spirit, what is his job? To reveal Jesus to me. And when I see him, I can now copy what I just saw. Religion says, love your wife better. Do it better. And you suck. You got to do a lot better than that. Oh, I'm just trying. I'm just trying. So we get in ourselves. Okay, I'll, I'll work harder on this. I'll, I'll love my wife. And it lasts for about two days. And then she makes a meal that doesn't taste like my mom's. <laughs> Any husband know what I'm talking about? This is just, this is just pretend. Don't worry. I'm not... <laughs> We're good. I've said only a few times, could you just be like my mom? I've only said that three times. And it's been great. Right, Jim? Yes, she's... It's religion just says, do this, do this. What grace's job now is to teach you by showing you how. Look at this in Ephesians 5 verse 1. This is the command of the church, is to imitate God. It's hard to imitate when you haven't seen nothing. How can I imitate love? How can I imitate any of this if I don't first see it from my father? I love him, Why? Because he first loved me. So if some of you are going like, well, some have a hard time loving him. The whole New Testament is not about you loving God. It's about you experiencing and seeing how much God loves you. Once you get a taste of that, you can't help but, I want to go. I want to lift my hands. I want to get involved. Jesus, what you're doing, I'm interested in doing. Religion is so hard trying to get people. You got to do, 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 do. Really, what I've seen from my own personal life and from the word of God is that when revelation knowledge of who he is comes, I can't wait to serve. I want to. Why? Because now I'm motivated. Rather than trying to self-motivate it, I've seen him. I've known his grace. I've experienced a sound mind. I understand what he's done on my behalf. I go, God, here's my life. What do you want me to do with it? A self-sacrificing life. Why? Because I've seen him do it. Now, oh, so the result, again, of transformation is now I enjoy my relationship with God, 
and I'll also be fruitful. <laughs> Listen, y'all, we have to just understand our positions in the body of Christ. You and I are simply branches. You aren't divine in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You can't produce nothing. All you do is, oh, there's, a, there's an apple. Oh, there, there I am. And I've used this term before, but sometimes Christians are spiritually constipated. They are trying to push out a good work. They're trying to love somebody so hard. And what we're doing is we're a mess. We are the most angry bunch on the planet. Why? Because we know we should be experiencing joy, but I'm just not experiencing it. Why? Because you're trying to be a vine. I'm trying to make something work. You can't. What are you? A branch. What do branches do? So what do I do? I expose myself to the word and out pops this fruit. But if you don't expose yourself to the word to the point where a new reality is shifting, that's where the frustration lies. So you have to stay in this long enough until you see a different picture. Oh God, I'm having a hard time. Get a new picture. That's the whole purpose of what Romans 12, 2 is all about. Don't be conformed, but be renewed by, or be transformed by the remo- not remo- renewing of your mind. This is, this, this is so simple, yet this is our call. All right, now, grace didn't stop working on your behalf once you accepted Jesus as your Lord. That was the launching pad. God started it. He's also going to finish it. Say with me, God started it. So what's he going to do? God's going to finish it. God started it. God is going to finish it. It's his job to finish the work. Philippians 1.6, look again. Very, okay, we have to go by the word. We can't just make this sound and get all hyped up on that word. The word says, because I'm convinced that the one who began this glorious work, where? In me. He will faithfully continue the, oh, the process of it. So again, if you're going to go on, oh man, I missed it a little bit. Okay, just go, Lord. Show me, help me by your grace. What do I need to do in this situation? And let grace start teaching you. Getting condemned and going, I missed, ain't going to help nobody. So right here, he says, the glorious work that in you, he will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how long is this process going to take? Until Jesus is revealed. So guess what? Are you perfect? Is this church perfect? What? (laughs) Why? Because we are imperfect vessels. But notice, that does not... So what does that mean? I am continually in the process of maturing into the fullness of Jesus. My goal is to look like Him. That's the goal. The goal is not to look like some other preacher, some other minister, or somebody that you, oh, go that, they're such a saint, blah, 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 blah. Great. You are totally cutting yourself short if you're looking at somebody saying, I just want to be like that. The goal is always him. We don't put different people on pedestals because they will fail you. So what's the goal? Jesus is my goal. And when I see him, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, oh, I'm going to be just like him. I'm going to get a brand new body that he has. I don't have to sit in a stupid car anymore. I can actually think somewhere, and I can be on the other side of the planet in a thought. That's a new body that you're all going to get. Woo! You think I look good now, sport check mannequin, Joel? You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm getting a brand new body. It's going to look good. 
I'm glad you're all excited about that too. Okay, now Titus, look here for a moment. Titus chapter 2. I want you and I, I believe, like this, the Lord said this to me a while ago, but to become a student of grace. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you're just studying this topic. It means that I'm actually willing to sit in the school of grace. I have to be schooled by somebody. And the world is trying to teach our kids. Like, just think about this. Everything is trying to teach us stuff. The media, thank God there's some good things to it, but the negative side to it is that there is a voice everywhere going on and everything's trying to teach you. Everything's trying to tell you how to live. Everything's trying to tell you what to do. Stop. Let's make it simple in the church. What or who is the teacher in the church? We know that it's the Spirit of God, but with this Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of His grace. Grace is supposed to teach you and I. Oh, I just need to know how to, how to raise my kids. I better go find out what, you know, what the library is doing. I need to find out what you know, the public says. That's all great. They may be vessels that the Lord leads you to, but the primary place that I look is to his grace. Lord, what do I do concerning this situation? And let him teach. That's who he is. You see it constantly in the Gospels. Jesus, not only is a teacher, he's a preacher. But what does he do? He's there to make things simple for us, his sheep. Now, Verse 11, he says, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. Who's that? It's not a, Jesus is the right answer. If you're ever wondering in church, what's the right answer? Jesus. Jesus is the right answer. So God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, in the person of? Can we say his name together? Jesus. Okay, Jesus. And Jesus brought salvation to who? to everyone. Now, does that mean that everyone's saved going to heaven? No. That means you have to do something with this grace for salvation. He provided it for everyone, but you have to receive what grace has provided in order to experience it. So really what you and I, because you are going to heaven simply because you've received what the grace of God has done on your behalf regarding salvation and your eternity. You've accepted in the blood of Jesus. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. You called on the name of Jesus. You said Jesus is Lord. And by doing that, grace now went in and he changed you on the inside in a moment. That old sin dead nature has been completely killed. Behold, a fresh and new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. So it happened in a moment just like that. But now it didn't stop there. Now he goes on to say in verse 12, this same grace, say with me, same grace. So the same grace that took you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into God's dear son, he's not going to just say, well, just enjoy the view and have a nice time while you're on this earth. He says, now I'm also going to escort you around my kingdom to show you how things are done. This same grace now is going to teach you and I how to live on Sundays. (laughs) how to live each, come on, y'all, each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. Grace now is going to equip you to live self-controlled, upright, and godly in this present time. So can you see the responsibility that grace has taken over on the church? So this points to me is that I have a tutor. (laughs) My mama doesn't have to do my homework anymore for me. 
<laughs> she only got a 78 on one of the papers anyway. I was like, Mom, I remember like, Mom, you're better than this. She was not happy at that response. But I thought, Mom, the amount of books you read, 78? Really? I could have asked somebody else. I could have gotten a better mark than that. It was, it was, a, it was a low moment in our relationship. But, <laughs> but since then, she has improved. And my sons are coming up, so we'll see how that goes for it. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mom. That's a, thank you for that 78. I really appreciate that. Now, verse 12, this same grace, again, or sorry, verse 13. And now notice how we are continuing looking forward. This constantly, so it's not only taking care of this verse 11, took care of what has happened in the past. Verse 12 is present. He's looking after you every single day. And he's also telling us, verse 13, how the church needs to be living and thinking. For we continue to look forward. So we look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope, which is Jesus coming back for us. This is what we keep our eyes on. It's not that we're just saying, well, we're going to give up. We're going to stop everything. We're just waiting for Jesus to come back. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. But constantly in the back of my mind, I am living for a particular day. I am living for him. I am living to be with him. I'm living for that moment when I stand face to face. And he says, Joel, give me account for your life. And I'm a steward of this life I have. And so I want to completely get grace teaching me so that I have a good report card when I get to heaven. He looks and goes, man, that's, how did you do all that? I said, Lord, this is your grace. Everything goes to him. And then here's the good news. He'll credit you with the work. Do you see how good and our gracious our God is? He gives you a task. He doesn't leave you helpless. He says, my grace is going to supply and give you everything you need to not only do the task, but how to do it. And then once you do the task, you stand before him face to face. He says, well done. Here's a reward. And all you can simply do is, but you, you did that. I just simply went, okay, sure. He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. I, you and I are simply stewards and vessels of what he's called and asked us to do. Man, what a God. <laughs> now, um, if I continue on, it'll be another 25 minutes. So I should just maybe zip it here. <laughs> 